0: Now, some of y'all probably know that Pastor Lee and Amy had the opportunity, uh, I guess about two months ago, to take a vacation trip where they flew into Las Vegas and then drove to see various landmarks in that region of the country. To the best of my knowledge, what I'm about to suggest to you did not actually happen. I joked with Lee prior to their trip that they could do a fundraiser for the youth ministry at one of those casinos while they were there. But I want you to imagine for a moment that while they were there, they did decide to go into a casino and they hit it big. We're talking millions of dollars. On the one hand, this would be a very exciting event for them. They're about to be debt free. Their tithe is going to be through the roof. We're talking about giving, man, that's going to be a good offering. They may actually want to call some other individuals to share this amazing news But wait, they can't tell anybody because then they'd have to admit that they were in a casino. A side note, by the way, the Wesleyan Church does make very clear its position on gambling specifically because of the fact that countless lives and families are destroyed each year due to the addictive nature of such activities. In fact, we had casinos that were close to us in the Pennsylvania area where our church was previously, and while they promised prosperity, the vast majority of people who get sucked into it only experience loss, and we saw that firsthand. So back to Lee and Amy's hypothetical situation. They've had this great situation take place, but they can't tell anybody. Can you imagine how frustrating that would be? Now keep this in mind as I continue through the rest of the sermon and and as we look at another promise, another great experience that God's given, understand the frustration that would come with silence. I know that Christmas is a very busy time and I so appreciated what Josh shared last Sunday regarding the fact that Christmas, when you're not in Christ, is just another season. It's just a historical event, it's just tradition, it's just good feelings and good actions. And of course, for those of us who are in Christ, we know that it is so much more. It is the coming of our Savior, taking on human flesh in order to become the sacrifice for our sins. And truthfully, that's something we ought to give thanks for, not just during the Christmas season, but every day of the year. But for those who are outside of Christ, perhaps the story of Christmas is nothing more than what we'll call white noise. It's a bunch of static and interference that often distracts from what is really going on. Let me take a moment and challenge you this morning to realize that this can happen to those who are in Christ as well we can become so caught up in all of the busyness that is associated with Christmas that it can become nothing more than white noise to us, distracting us from the true story of Christmas. As I started this sermon series, I focused on the need for Christ to come. One of the Christmas carols that we sing so often is, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. It's a beautiful prayer that seeks God's physical presence among humanity. I coupled that with a message of thanksgiving, realizing that it was this single act, God taking on human flesh that brought hope to all of us. And for that, we ought to give thanks. You see, if God had not taken on human flesh, he could not have actually died for our sins. And while we have much to be thankful for, Everything else pales in comparison to the saving work that is done through Jesus Christ. If I were to try to connect Josh's sermon last week to a Christmas carol, it would have been, what child is this? Again, this is all about a Savior who changed everything. I've often wondered at the childhood years of Jesus, We get a few brief glimpses of his childhood in the scriptures, when he is circumcised, when his family had to move, and when he is accidentally left at the temple on one occasion by his parents. By the way, there is no judgment upon the parents of Jesus. I think every parent, certainly every dad, has forgotten their child at some point or another. The temple is a great place if you're going to forget your child to leave them, so... By the way, I have left my kids at church on a couple occasions. It is an embarrassing situation, but it happens. So, Well, today I want to connect the scripture and the Christmas story through the song Silent Night. If you would, turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. It's kind of a precursor to the Christmas story, but it's also some things that had to happen. But even within this chapter, we see some incredibly important truths for us. Look at it with me, beginning in verse 8. Now, as you're still turning there, just so you know what's happening, we have a priest named Zachariah. He's been a priest for a long time. He's married to a woman named Elizabeth. Apparently, they've tried to have children for years, but with no luck. And I imagine that there were many nights that they wept over their inability to bear children. They certainly prayed about it. They likely even wondered if they had done something wrong themselves. Maybe this was God's judgment upon them. They have probably given up on the idea of having kids. And then look what happens beginning in Luke one verse 8. It's a relatively long section, but I want to read it in its entirety here. It says, "'Once when Zachariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside.'" Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. And you are to call him John. By the way, that will be John the Baptist. He will be a joy and delight to you. to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them but remained unable to speak. As we look at this passage, what we see is, first of all, an emotional roller coaster that Zechariah must have been on that day. He is humbled as the one chosen to enter the temple for the sake of burning incense. This is a privilege which very few Israelites will ever have the opportunity to fulfill. This is especially significant as he likely felt an incredible sense of inadequacy. You see, a childless elder was often seen as one who was less than blessed by God. Yet here he is administering the priestly duties before the altar of the Lord. And then suddenly, one of the most unusual of circumstances unfolds. This is the first of multiple appearances by an angel in the Christmas story. As an angel will later appear in front of Mary and then, of course, before the shepherds as well. Sure, angels, and yes, even God himself had appeared in the past, but the truth is it had been a while since any of that had happened. In fact, it had been hundreds of years. One could argue that this period of God's silence was the longest silent night ever. Hundreds of years of the people of God waiting for God to speak, yet not hearing his voice. I wonder if Zechariah had almost given up on any expectation of God showing up much as many of the Israelites would have. And the angel greets him with what would become a familiar refrain. He begins, do not be afraid. The angel then gives him some of the most incredible, encouraging news possible. The Lord has heard your prayers. You're going to be a dad. In fact, your son will be great in the sight of the Lord, and many will rejoice over his coming. But you're going to have to raise him right. Keep him pure, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. He will go before the Lord with the spirit and power of Elijah. Elijah was great. This is a big deal. Preparing people for Christ's coming. Can you imagine the peace And the joy that Zachariah would have felt in that moment. Can can you imagine? I I just kind of picture him trying to process all of this and the thoughts going through his mind. He starts talking to himself, and the angels hear in this conversation I'm going to have a son. And my son, wait, I I just want to hear that again. I'm going to have a son. Remember decades of waiting decades of trying to have kids, and all of a sudden he hears from this angel, you are going to have a son. My son is going to be blessed by God, bringing people to the Messiah. Oh, man, I can't wait to tell Elizabeth. And I almost picture him turning to run and suddenly stops and he thinks, oh, but well, wait a minute, this is almost too good to be true. What if this is just wishful thinking on my part? What if I imagine this angel standing in front of me? How will I be able to explain to others what has taken place and what's been promised, even if it's true? Nobody's ever gonna believe this. So he turns and he asks the angel, How can I be sure of this? He makes a, it's an obvious statement. He says, I'm old nicest way to put it. And my wife's not young. The angel's response, and I picture him speaking with a sense of authority this time. It's as if he was kind of gentle in addressing him. He just told him, do not be afraid. So he probably was talking nice and calm and gentle. But the angel responds with a sense of authority. He says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Now, I told you earlier that I wanted to connect the Christmas story to the song, Silent Night. Well, I want you to imagine how frustrating Zachariah's Silent Night must have been. He's taken longer than usual to come out, and he finally emerges, but now he's unable to speak. Then he starts trying to communicate with everybody else what has happened, and it becomes a frustrating game of charades. It happens at the temple, and it probably happened again when he got home. So on the one hand, he is super excited about what God is about to do. He's excited in regard to his personal family. I've been waiting for decades to be a dad. I'm about to be a dad. He's super excited because he knows that his child is going to play a significant role in preparing the way for the Lord. He's excited, and he wants to be able to share with everybody. But on the other hand, he's got to be frustrated. He can't even explain to his wife what God is about to do. I almost picture his wife almost feeling sorry for him. Oh, it's okay, Zechariah. You don't have to explain it to me. And of course, he wants so much to be able to do it, but he can't. Now, I want you to imagine for a moment that you have the greatest news imaginable and you want to tell everybody. But suddenly you realize you can't tell anybody. For Zachariah, this was going to be a long nine month silent night. Now let me pause for a moment and connect the dots with where we are today. First, recognize that there is an appropriate time for silence. We would see this later in Luke chapter 2 as the shepherds talk about what they have seen and what they have heard, and we are told that Mary pondered all these things in her heart. Instead of talking about what was going on, instead of sharing with everybody else this is what's taking place, Mary pondered these things in her heart. Such silence gave both Mary and Zechariah time to process The honor that was being stowed upon them. And it truly was an incredible honor. It also gave them time to prepare for the things that were to come. There would be struggles, there would be things that would need to be taken care of. They needed time to prepare. It gave them the opportunity to grasp God's perspective on what all of this would mean. So, what we see is the silence was a good thing. I'm reminded of the words of James who declared in James 1.19, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Silence is a good thing. The psalmist said, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. The writer of Proverbs says in Proverbs 17.28, even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. Probably my favorite proverb is found in Proverbs 10, 19. In the New Living Translation, it says, too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. And specifically relating to Zachariah and Mary and their situation, we read in Lamentations 3, 26, that it is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. So maybe a little bit of silence was a really good thing for them. Maybe it would be a really good thing for us as well. Sometimes we have a tendency to speak too much, and it often leads to sin and to suffering. In their cases, they needed to realize that they were highly favored by God. They were trusted by Him. Maybe it also served as a time for them to evaluate their own hearts. Yeah, they're highly favored, but what are they going to do about it? In their case, they would need to know that this would not be an easy journey. Both of their sons, John the Baptist and Jesus Christ, would experience premature, unnatural deaths. And as difficult as these paths would be, they needed God's perspective that it would all be worth it in the end. Maybe for you it's time now to listen and not speak, to evaluate your standing before God. You should know that you are highly favored. He allowed his son to come and to die for you. He must value you significantly. He must love you more than you could ever imagine. I recognize that there may be difficulty in your life. There may be some things that have taken place and you wonder, where is God in all of this? And the only thing I can tell you is he has been there with you the entire way. His love and his grace is faithful. You are highly favored. You have been entrusted with a great message. Is your heart right with him? And what if walking this journey does involve difficulty? What if there will be times of suffering along the way? Do you know that it is all worth it so long as you find yourself perfectly in the center of God's will? But there will also come a time for the silent night to end. And fortunately, it does for Zechariah. In Psalm 35, Psalm 50, and Psalm 83, each chapter contains an invitation to the Lord to not keep silent. It is a cry for God to end the silent night, to intervene on behalf of God's people. During this season of Advent, we'll sing Christmas carols, people will go to church. Families will gather together to read the Christmas story on Christmas Eve. In a manner, what we are doing is proclaiming the greatest story ever told. We are breaking up the silent night. But what if there were more to this story? I'm not talking about the story of Christ's birth. That story is complete. I'm talking about the story of Christ as a whole. While we were doing our family devotions this past week, I shared with my kids, about an event that is scheduled to occur on December 21st. Perhaps some of you have already read about this. It is the first time in about 800 years that this will occur. On that day, Jupiter and Saturn will will appear to merge as they line up perfectly with each other. The result will be a very bright star that will be in the sky as Christmas approaches. It is theorized by some astronomers that the star which rested over the stable in Bethlehem as Christ was born was actually the result of Jupiter and Saturn and a third planet, Venus, all merging together in this manner, a far less frequent event. It only happens to have two of them line up about once every 800 years. Imagine how often it happens to have three planets line up at the same time. I don't know if that's really what it was. It's astronomers' idea, whatever. Well, as I shared this with my kids, one of them responded with a look of excitement. What if that's when Jesus is coming back? Now, let me just say that I am not making such a declaration. The Bible is very clear that no man knows the day nor the hour. But what I will say is that Christ's story is not over yet. And while I may not know exactly when he's coming back, I do know that he's coming back. With that being said, I want to challenge you to end the silence. Much like Zechariah. You have just received the greatest news in the world. Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, he will take away all of the suffering. He will defeat sin and temptation once and for all. He will usher in a never-ending age of life and celebration. And in this place, there will be no more COVID, no more cancer, no more death, none of it. But only those who are ready for his coming will be able to receive such blessing. You See, for those who are not ready for his coming, everything will change for them also, but in a different way. You see, they'll still know death and defeat and despair, but the biggest difference will be that they will no longer have access to hope. You see, as long as we await for Christ's return, when there is sin, there is always the opportunity for redemption. There is always the opportunity for an individual to repent of their sins and to find forgiveness and have that hope that there is life, there is eternal life that awaits them. But at the very moment of Christ's judgment, when he chooses to come back from that moment forward, there will no longer be the hope of redemption. It will be too late for individuals to make things right. So it is time for us to end the silence. We need to make good use of the historical story of Christ as we talk about the Christmas season and all the things that happened 2,000 years ago. Let that be an introduction as we talk to other people about the coming story of Christ, the one where he comes back and ushers in both judgment and blessing. Make sure that the rest of the world, the people that you love and care about, make sure that they know that Jesus is coming coming back soon. I ask you today, what story will you tell? My hope is that you can tell the story of Christ and that you can tell the story of you and how Christ has changed you. If God has redeemed you, then tell somebody today. Now, I do want to caution you with one truth along the way. We're talking about this silent night and ending the silent night. As I consider Zechariah, I'm reminded of the fact that when he walked out of the temple that day, he knew the truth. Yet had he been able to speak that truth, many would not have believed him. Simply because of the fact that he's an old man and well, his wife's not young either. You see, some people have to see it to believe it. Nine months later, everybody believes it. They buy what he's saying. Some people have to see it to believe it. I share that to remind you that people need to see it in your life before they can believe it from your mouth. I'm going to say that again because I think this is really important. People need to see it in your life before they can believe it from your mouth. Too often what we've done as the church is we have spoken about God's love and his grace. We've even talked about how God can change a life. But too often we have not lived the changed life. And somehow we're expecting that the rest of the world will hear the message and receive it and be changed. What happens so often is they're looking at us and they're saying, It didn't change you, so why would it change me? Sometimes people need to see it in order to believe it. People need to see it in your life and the way you live and the way you act, the attitudes you display, the words that come from your mouth, the way you handle relationships. People need to see it in your life before they can believe it from your mouth. I challenge you today to end the silent night. It is time for us to tell the story of Jesus, but not just the story of Jesus' birth, the story of Jesus' second coming. Let's bring that same hope that we have received to a world that desperately needs it. Allow that truth to be something that truly changes this Christmas season for them. If you would, bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Father, as we come before you today, we recognize that we have a great truth. It is a great truth that we do not want to keep silent. It is a great truth that offers hope to our world. As we come before you today, we thank you for that truth. We thank you for the hope that we have. We thank you for the future that awaits us in you. Lord, I pray today that you would help us to examine our own hearts. Or maybe today we need a time of silence, where we take time to allow you to speak to us so that we can process what this new life truly means. Lord, I pray that we would be a people who not only talk about the hope of Jesus, but demonstrate the life that Jesus has to offer. Lord, I pray that you would help us help us today to show the world around us what it means to be transformed, to be made new, to be given life. Lord, I pray for each one as we go through this season that you would then give us the words to speak to a world that desperately needs it to our family members that we will spend time with, that we will talk with over the internet or the phone, or maybe they'll come visit, or maybe we'll go visit them. Lord, I pray that you would give us words to speak that would truly explain where our faith comes from. Would I pray that you would use us to give not just a great story from 2,000 years ago, but help us to tell the story that is yet to come. But I pray that if there be one that is lost in our families today, that you would already begin to speak to their hearts, that they would be open and they would receive the message of hope that you alone can offer. Lord, I pray that you would help us when the opportunity comes to know when to speak and when to be silent, but help us when that opportunity comes to speak to be willing to speak. And I pray that you would use us to bring this great truth to the world around us. Father, again, we are grateful that you broke the silence. Lord, I pray that you would break the silence through us now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I do want to encourage you. I wanted, I intentionally left a little extra time for me to address this here before we Dismissed this morning. Next Sunday will be our Christmas program. It is a great opportunity for us to present the gospel message through song. And there is an element of it that as we do this, uh, I know that some will look at it as entertainment. This is an opportunity for us to share the gospel message through music. And that's what will take place next Sunday. Sometimes individuals feel like, well, if we're doing it over there, it's not like doing it in church because it's like we're in a gym. And we are but it is being transformed into a place of worship. And I want to challenge you and encourage you, please come back next Sunday. There'll be two services still, 9.15 and 11.30, just like what we normally do. And what will happen is there'll be a musical presentation in both services. There will also be a gospel message. If you have a loved one who does not already know Christ, and maybe they would be interested in coming just for the musical stuff, I want to encourage you, bring them next week. And while they're here, I'm going to share the gospel with them because I want them to know that there is more to this Christmas story than just songs, than just doing good, than just feeling good. I want to encourage you to come next week if you can. It'll be a great opportunity for us to celebrate and to be able to worship and to welcome in this Christmas season a little more closely. Thank you for being with us today. Go in peace. It's so, not real.